Hello and welcome to the Pretty Pixels podcast. I am your best and most eternal host, Joey Crunwell, here with... I see. I see. <laughs> uh, I am obviously the lesser host, Tab. You always you always one-up me and find a way to be like, I'm the better host. So I was like, I got to get it out of the I way. I have to because I'm not always first. here. So <laughs> clearly it's a pleasure to be a part of this. Well, I'm glad. And hopefully it's also a pleasure for our very special guest, Amy, who we've brought up many times before. We're so happy yeah. to have you, Amy. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. I'm happy to. <laughs> I really am. I, I really am. I promise. I really am happy to be here finally after I feel like I've been haunting the podcast for a while, which Ooh. has been really fun for me and especially appropriate as we approach Halloween. Um, but I'm here now for real. You're a real person. We're not just making up friends like, oh, our friend Amy, who likes this stuff. Um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. So you are a fellow grad student like myself. Tab is yes. no longer in that camp because they got a big, big person job. But oh, yeah. um, but we're still dissertating. So tell us a little bit about your work, what your dissertation's about. Yeah, so I am um, focusing on literature for some reason. And my dissertation is focusing on Victorian horror and American musical theater. Um, so I'm specifically looking at American musicals that are adapted from Victorian horror stories. So Sweeney Todd, Jekyll and Hyde, Dracula, um, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. And so that's fun. Not video games specifically, but alternative media. So still kind of in the, um, the same arena. Yeah, I love it. It's it's so exciting. I love horror in general, as I think many of our listeners do, since, as I keep mentioning in our pre-recording, <laughs> half of them are here. But... you got to stop it, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, tell us about yourself as a gamer, then. Like, how did you get into gaming? Like, at what point were you like, I think, I think I'm a gamer now? Sure. So, um, when I was growing up, my older sister would play games, and she would, like, you know, let me watch her which was cool. So I really liked the concept of games, but I wasn't good at them because I had had no opportunity to practice or gain any skills because she wouldn't let me like play Kingdom Hearts. I could only watch her play Kingdom Hearts. Um, so I would play like Zoo Tycoon or whatever on the PC when I could get it. Um, and then I never really came back to it until, um, what was it? It would have been like Black Friday of what, 2017 maybe? So I was in grad school at that time and my partner and I bought um, a refurbished PS4 and a bunch of games for it. So I started to play Skyrim, which was like so fun. And I remember remarking to uh, our mutual friend, Paul, who I shared an office with at the time, like, whoa, video games can be fun. Who knew, you know? <laughs> I was just like so taken with the really the open world concept, I think, more than anything else, because um, the setting and like the dialogue and the graphics are all cool. But like, what I really loved was like being able to wander around and just like fuck off and do whatever nonsense, interact with the environment and things like that. So ever since then, um, I think I've been comfortable calling myself a gamer. So it was really Skyrim that that brought me around, but still late, like years after Skyrim came out. So and then we're going to, I think I mentioned this before, we're probably going to have you on for a Witcher 3 episode because you had a, would it be fair to say a revelation with the Witcher 3? Oh, yeah. <laughs> our friend Paul, who's been on the show, 
um, was talking to you about it and just really ranting and raving about it. And you were like, I, I got to check this out. Um, and it seems like you fell in love with that. Is it again, is it fair to say above and beyond Skyrim even? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I, I loved Skyrim. And I had such a great time talking with Paul about Skyrim. And I don't know if Paul has recommended anything to you. But or anything that he loves as much as The Witcher 3, really any recommendation that Paul offers is like, that man doesn't love things in a half-assed kind of way. (laughs) He loves with his whole heart. And when he was, it was, it was like three hours in the office where we weren't, you know, getting any work done, obviously. Um, Because he's telling me about The Witcher 3. And it's like, he sort of realized that I I loved Skyrim so much and that, oh, maybe this person will also really like The Witcher 3, which I love. And so he was telling me about it and like slowly ramping up more and more excitement as the conversation went on. And by the end, it's like... (laughs) What kind of soulless, heartless monster would be able to listen to Paul rave about The Witcher 3 like that for three hours and then not immediately go buy a copy, which is exactly what I did, of course. And then, yeah, I mean, I thought that, you know, Skyrim was kind of it for me. I would try other games, but Skyrim would be my favorite thing that I came back to over and over again. But I just, The Witcher 3 just transformed all of my notions about what gaming could be. That sounds really dumb and hokey and and um like dramatic, but it really is true because I think I I maybe unfairly judge every other game that I play against The Witcher 3 and and of course none, nothing measures up, but um it's definitely it's definitely my favorite like piece of media that exists. I don't think it's I I don't think it's dramatic to say that at all because I think that is the moment that we so often talk about where you have that shift and like I had it with Chrono Trigger. Like for me, it was, I loved games before that, but I didn't look at them in the way that I look at them now after Chrono Trigger. Like I played that game and I was like, it was transformative and, you know, maybe games are, you know, still considered silly by a lot of people. But I think um, when you talk to people who love games as much as we do, like that's, they have a moment like that, you know what I mean? And it sounds like, you probably had a, a moment of that with Skyrim, but then The Witcher Three was really the the one that like it's it's. I have a feeling that that's going to be your favorite game for a very long time because even if another game comes along that's like better, technically speaking, something there's something about the magic of that moment of that transformation that like is hard to recapture. Tab, what was your game? You had a game like Oblivion. That, right? yeah. That's the, like I didn't realize that games could be open world like that. Yeah. And that just like blew my mind. <laughs> and you and how do you ca- how do you recapture that? You know what I mean? Like we can you come can. up with like new open worlds and better open worlds, but like Red Dead Two is a better open world game than that. But mm-hmm. you know, and you love that game too. But is it? Yeah, they they exist in two different spaces in your brain, right? In the I game? I can't replace the magic of playing Oblivion and like the first. 10, 15, 20 hours and just being so immersed in seeing that like a world could have rich lore. And if I saw something, I could go in that direction and actually go up and see it. And like, there's only a first, there's a first time for that. I think it would be interesting to revisit those because at the time I feel like I navigated open world games very differently and I didn't know how, how to really navigate them. And so I would just sort of wander and pick a direction and go Whereas I'm so much better now at reading the environment and saying, this is where the game wants me to go. So I think it would be cool to revisit those. I think it would be cool, but I'm also nervous. And that's why I hesitate because 
What if I go back and I'm like, God, this is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous to go back to Grand Theft Auto for that reason. I think the trilogy mm-hmm. is going to look good, but man, I'm worried about the yeah. some of the conveniences of modern games that might be lost. But uh, well, thank you, Amy. Welcome again. We're so happy to have you. We're going to have you again for sure. Cool. Um, but let's talk about some mother flipping news. First, first news item I think I'm probably the only one excited about. Um, and that's that's the nice thing about drawing up notes is I can like I'm interested. I want to talk about it. <laughs> so Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine from Resident Evil are now in Fortnite. I feel like now at this point, I'm not shocked when I see that stuff because everyone yeah. is in Fortnite. But I had to fuck, I had to buy Jill Valentine. And this is how they get you, though, because like, of course you did. You can't just buy Jill Valentine. You have to buy the in-game currency to get Jill Valentine and they don't sell it in exact amounts and so every single time like mm-hmm. i'll buy jill i have to buy a little bit more in-game currency but then i have more than i need so then i buy her and i have some left over so when a new character comes out i'm like oh well i have like 500 v bucks so it's not really going to be 15 dollars for this character it's going to be like nine or ten and that's it's like a cycle i have so many fucking downloadable skins for this game that i don't fucking play yeah when's the <laughs> last time you played it the ariana grande thing And that was the first time in like (laughs) probably like a year. So I don't know. But I'm happy that I have her. Like it's cool to have Jill Valentine. You know, I love her. So Um, but PlayStation had their state of play yesterday. I think it was. It was a 20 minute state of play. Um, It was, I think, rather uneventful. They had an expanded trailer for We Are OFK, which is a little indie game they showed at E3 or one of the you know, parallel E3 events. Which one um, was that? That was the one. It's like a band, and oh, okay. it's it's like a narrative. Um, I think it's like a visual novel, and it's following this up and coming band, and there's some band drama and stuff. Okay. One of the things that I just looked at the show notes and I misspelled. I said Bopic. It's a it's a Bopic. <laughs> it's not a Bopic. It's like a biopic. Um, so basically, they said it's. It's autobiographical or, you know, it's their story of their real band. So I didn't know that. I think that's really interesting. Um, there's a free Bug Snacks update coming called the Isle of Bug Snacks, where I think you can, like, dive into the ocean and, and stuff. Uh, and then they showed a little bit more of the little devil inside game, um, which looks interesting. But I'm not sure how I feel about the art style because, like, the overworld, it looks like a diorama. Um, and your characters look like those little... Not Roblox, but like those little pudgy characters like for like toddlers, like the little plastic, like a giant oh, circular okay. head. Like the you know Fisher Price little yeah. people. Yeah. And it looks kind of weird. But then the art style changes when you go into a battle or when you go in your exploring areas. Hmm. And it looks very cool there. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was overall, it was a pretty disappointing state of play. Um, did either of you catch it? I don't want to no. skim past a few. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> if you'd missed the <laughs> well, last one. Well, you said one, that. Like, if you were like, hey, go back and check the recording, I would have been like, okay. But you were like, it was meh. Yeah. The, and it's, that's what I expected from the last one that they had, which was like a 40-minute awesome. one. That was awesome. Yeah, it was like an E3 show. I had so many big announcements. So for this one, I was like, it's only 20 minutes, but what if there's like a big, you know, huge drop? And they were like, here's some stuff you already know about. And it's like, I, you know, <laughs> it's nice. And I appreciated you know, closer looks at We Are OFK and some of the other games, but nothing too 
nothing blew my pants off. Um, something I do think that you guys will have an opinion on is the Nintendo Online Plus Expansion Pack. So that news actually dropped last week, but I figured since we were going to be talking about like cozy games this week, and I know at least one Nintendo game is going to be on that list, and the DLC for that game is included in this expansion pack, I thought we could talk about it. So uh, Nintendo Online, the Nintendo Online service was $20 a year, and it, it included games from the NES and the SNES. And now Nintendo is expanding it to include games from the Nintendo 64 and the Sega Genesis, and they're raising the price to $49.99 a year. Um, with that $49.99, you also get the expansion pack for Animal Crossing's New Horizon, which is going to be okay. $25 separately. Uh, and then existing sub- subscribers get a discount of $42 for one year. So that's what I did. I did that, and I paid $42. Um, but what do we what do we feel about that? Well, what are the N sixty four games? Did they announce? Like, is there a list? There is a list. Yeah, I don't. I should have brought it up. There's sixteen games that are going to be at or around launch. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, Mario sixty four is on there. Winback, I think, is on there. Winback or something. I think it's called Winback. Um, okay. I want to say Goldeneye is on there. I'm trying to look it up. Now. Mario Kart sixty four is on there. Um, okay, Star Fox. Star Tennis, Fox. Yeah. Doctor Mario. Okay. That, that was the first one I played. It's just stupid because I also <laughs> play the NES version and the SNES version. Like that's the game that I start with all the time because I'm like, I know how to play this game, <laughs> and it, it ages well. Like no matter like you know which platform you're playing it on, but um, <laughs> but fifty dollars is that too much? I think that's been the biggest kind of talking point around this. Is I don't think it's too much, but for me, I don't use the Switch enough currently. Yeah. Oh, and usually when I use the Switch, I have a very specific game and I throw myself into that game. So, Russell, did you guys have it, Amy? Or the... uh, yeah, we have the, um, we have the, I don't know, the old version, I guess. But the family membership that lets you do like two or more accounts is priced differently. I don't think $50 is too much for one person, but I do think that $80 is kind of ridiculous for... Um, a family and I'm I'm really struggling with it because I don't I don't know if it's at launch but um, Banjo Kazooie is one of the N64 games and that is one of the only games my sister let me play with her when I was little <laughs> uh, and it remains some of my favorite video game music and I just really love that game um, and I borrow it from my sister on N64 every so often but I don't know that's a lot to pick because I don't care I don't care about the Sega games at all. Um, yeah. I just think the price jump just between one person or two people yeah. is maybe a little much. So what I'm was on the, the family? What was the family plan for the original? Do you 30? remember? 30. Okay. I think so, it's 29.99, but it, yeah, I think that's what it is. And on the one hand, like it's nice that they have that option for families, you know, but like, because for the, for the PlayStation and the Xbox, you have to have two separate subscriptions right so if you have two people in your house you both have to have that $60 a year subscription so that's really technically $120 so when you do comparisons like that I think Nintendo doesn't sound that bad my thing is that I just wish that they would add more features because that's what it's lacking like you you, they don't even have like group chat and voice chat like you have to Mm -hmm. use a separate app on your phone so it's like if you're gonna charge that much more I love N64 games. I'm excited to have Sega Genesis games. Um, and so for someone like me, 
gee, it's not that bad, $50 a year. I mean, again, if you do the math, it's like, what is that, like less than $5 a month? Um, so it's like, it's not that bad. I'll, I'll, I'll pay it. But when you, because they did originally, when they announced the original Nintendo Online service, they said that the $20 was an introductory price. They were like, very clear, we're going to raise this eventually. But I thought that that raise in price would come with more features for online, and that's what I'm wanting. Like, I they don't have achievements. They don't have most of the other, you know, PlayStation. We don't have this on the news list, but PlayStation just added Apple Music. So you can, mm-hmm. if you have an Apple Music subscription, it integrates seamlessly, supposedly. I haven't tried it yet with your PlayStation 5. So you can have custom soundtracks and everything. That's amazing. That's cool. That's yeah. a part of the the money that you're paying to PlayStation Plus. So I'm excited for that, actually. <laughs> it is really cool. Like I used to love um, the Xbox 360 had a version of it where you could download music onto your hard drive and then do custom soundtracks. But so I would go into like Burnout Paradise and just drive around and listen to music, which was really cool. But it was very limited because I liked to listen to music on shuffle and it wasn't the Xbox 360 wasn't capable of shuffling a bunch of songs. So I'd get this first like 40 songs from my playlist over and over again. But, <laughs> but yeah, like going into GTA five or GTA online with like custom soundtracks, that sounds really cool. But Nintendo is not, they're offering us games, which is great. Again, awesome. Cool. I do wish I could buy them a la carte though. And just, mm-hmm. you know, buy Banjo Kazooie for, you'd probably pay like 10 bucks for it. Right. Like, I'd pay. 80 bucks. No. I'd pay 80 bucks for it if I only had to pay it once. It's like yeah. 50 if you buy a secondhand copy, um, like a cartridge for the N64, which I did look into because I was so frustrated by the <laughs> difference in, in price. Um, or Yoshi Story is another one that used to be really hard to find. And I was like, maybe I should just pay $200 on eBay. But then I looked it up yesterday and it's only like... $20. So I don't know where I got that from, <laughs> but it's also included or will be included. Um, but yeah, I agree. All a cart would definitely be preferable. Cause there's something too about knowing that you own it then and knowing that like, if in theory I cancel my subscription to Nintendo next year, cause I'm like going through financial hardship or something, I would still have the games that I bought. Um, whereas I'm not going to have access to them. So I might, I'm so busy right now that I'm paying for this and who knows when I'm going to actually play it other than Dr. Mario. So, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm glad. I hope they add more. Of course, I hope they don't ignore the NES and the SNES. But when I looked at the numbers, there's 74 NES games on there and 49 SNES games. Like I didn't realize there were so many games available. So that's that is cool. Um, But on the other side of that, they added 30 games and the price jumps $30. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah. where the comparison is. What? Where did they get that number from? I'm not a math yeah. person, but <laughs> just a, I'm surprised they haven't leaned into that marketing. Like just a dollar per game or something like that. <laughs> um, well, actually, if you do the math and you add all of the games up, they could probably be like just 17 cents per game or something. But it's kind of like the Xbox Game Pass thing, though, where it's like you the the value is amazing, except that it's not real because you're not going to play all those games. So. You're paying for access to all those games, but in reality, how many of them are you actually going to play, you know? So it's a little bit of a a fallacy, but um, all right, well, let's, should we move on to what we've been playing? Any other thoughts on Nintendo before we skedaddle? Hmm. So what have you been playing, Tab? 
You know what I've been playing. I know what you've been playing. Uh, Far Cry 6 and Back for Blood. Um, I finished Far Cry, the the story, um, last week. And then I've just been working towards Platinum. I have two trophies until I hit Platinum. Um, do you want me to share, like, final thoughts now? Or? Yeah, if you, yeah. Well, no spoilers, okay. of course. But, yeah, thoughts on the oh, story and damn. everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, it's very much a Far Cry game, open world adventure ridiculousness. Uh, I liked it. I really liked going back to the kind of island tropical setting, very reminiscent of Far Cry 3, which was my favorite. Um, I thought that the narrative was stronger than Far Cry 5, or it was least, it was more, there were more connections and it was more cohesive overall. Having said that, not my favorite villain. Um, I just felt like there wasn't as much character as what there could be. But I'm starting to think that we were spoiled with Voss and Far Cry 3 and Pagan Min and Far Cry 4. Yeah. Um, and it can be hard to kind of follow uh, those acts. But I had a lot of fun with it. I finished a, I finished the story last night and I, I think I'm in the same ballpark. Like I, I definitely liked it. I liked it. Between four, five, and six, I think I like them all approximately the same. Like there are things that I liked okay. more or less about each inst- you know, each installment. But mm-hmm. with Far Cry Six, um, one of the things I was telling you last night was like it felt different because I felt more like an action star. Whereas with yes. four and five, I was a lot more stealthy, and I was like, I'm just gonna stealthily, secretly, sneakily clear out this whole base. It felt like they pushed you into the action. And even like in some of the dialogue, there are numerous characters that refer to you as hero. Yeah. So they're definitely pushing that like (laughs) angle. Um, But I was a little disappointed in that because even though I'm not usually like a stealth kind of player, um, some of the companions are more tuned into stealth, but like can't really take advantage of them. Or at least I felt like I couldn't. Um, But maybe that was just the way I was playing. The companions, I want to talk about them because I got one, and this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler. So if you haven't played Far Cry 6 and you uh, want to be surprised by the companions, some of them have already <laughs> been shown, but there's yeah. one in particular that I'm going to talk about. So if you want to skip ahead for a couple minutes so it's not spoiled, feel free. Joey, how but... am I supposed to skip spoilers? <laughs> Are you going to play Far Cry? <laughs> of course not. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, but... I mentioned two weeks ago when you were on tab, I was like, oh, man, um, Wapo, like the crocodile, like so cute uh-huh. as a crocodile. Like, how could I not use, cro- you know, crocodile through the whole game? And you had a twinkle in your eye and you said, well, there are some companions that <laughs> are pretty cute. I'm just saying. And now well, I know well, what you were talking true. about because there's a side mission that you do or a series of treasure hunting missions. Yes. You collect these relics and you bring them to this temple and when you bring it there, suddenly these like mystical black panthers pop out of nowhere and attack you. And if you defeat it, defeat the main, I think there's more than one, at least it, the way it was popping in and out, I couldn't really tell. But if you defeat it, you can heal it. And when you heal it, mm-hmm. it becomes your companion. It's a fucking mystical black panther with yeah. like blue glowing eyes and it's stealthy. And it, I love watching it kill people because like the other <laughs> companions like Wapo will like take them down and kill them and they'll just you know it's just regular crocodile kill but with aluso that's her that's her name right i think so yeah she like pounces on them and then they just burst into like this red 
plasma of this like ethereal gel or something. It's fucking cool. Um, and of course, she's a black cat. She's like a big black cat. Yeah. And I have my black cat, Bellatrix. And I have to say, when you were telling me this and you were like, yeah, I collected these trophies and then I never thought to like turn them in. I was like, what the? <laughs> you went well, to all that effort just to collect them? That was it? Because it said, she said something like, oh, maybe I have to collect three of these relics. And so I'm like, all right. So I collect them. And I thought that was it. I was like, "You like, what do you, what do you want to do with them?" Because it doesn't tell no reward. you. I don't remember her saying something like, "Oh, gotta do something with these." And then I just happened to notice a marker on the map that was like a little, you know, the little diamond. I was like, "What's that?" And I hover over it, and it's like that mission with the relics. And I was like, "God damn it!" I would have known that earlier, but, um, but yeah, I really liked it. Like you said, I think I thought the story was like more of what people would expect. Like if you cut all the cutscenes out of it. It seems more like a standard Hollywood mm-hmm. movie than the other two, um, especially four. Four, I like Pagan Min a lot, but he was very shallow in terms of how, like, they didn't give us enough of him. They were like, here's this really eccentric opening scene where he's very charismatic. And then you're just going to hear from him on the radio for a long time. And then you get to see him at the end for a little bit. Um, they struggled, I think, to find balance with developing their villains, because I think that's a fair critique of Far Cry 4. Really interesting villain, but they played the whole, oh, well, he's off screen for uh-huh. most of the time. Whereas when you get to Far Cry 6, like he's relatively present, but I just didn't find him that interesting or that dynamic. I also wish they would have had more natural ways for you to move from scene to scene, because one of the big criticisms about Far Cry 5 was that in order to get you into these cinematic scenes, they would just make you pass out and pretend like someone had drugged you mm-hmm. and happening once or twice is fine, but they did it every single time. They like, it was a crutch for them. They were like, we don't know how to get this character, this person, the player into this next cutscene. So we'll just pretend that, Oh, people are going to hunt them down and it, that you can't escape it. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you can kill every dude who's coming after you, like you're going to be drugged. And so that seemed like lazy storytelling, and they'd have what I consider a version of that in six in that your character, Danny, bursts into rooms without checking, without clearing. So we're meant to believe this is like an experienced soldier and guerrilla fighter, like this mm-hmm. legend. And she just bursts blindly into rooms and is caught unaware several times. Like that's how they were like, well, how do we get her into this situation? We'll have her just burst into a room because she's angry. Oh, guess there's what? so many characters throughout the story that are like, we got to think this through. Like, let's be careful. And you're just like popping down doors. Like, yeah. what? And she says at one point, she's like, oh, I, I, I think Castillo is always two steps ahead. No, he's only half a step ahead. <laughs> and you can eliminate that half a step by just pausing before you go through the door. Someone's <laughs> going to grab you or like knock you out. Like, stop it. Oh, but it was fun. I, I really liked it. I'm not going to get the platinum, but I spent a lot of time last night getting a few extra trophies. So yeah, um, it was fun. It was a good another good entry. So mm-hmm. um, what about back for you said you were playing back for blood? I, I say that like I don't like I wasn't playing. With I've been you. playing back for blood with my <laughs> other friend, Joey. Um, we've been playing it with uh, Paul and Ron. And I, I don't know if I have anything more to say about it. It's It's a lot of fun. I want to collect more of the cosmetic stuff for my character. We we unlocked like the, I guess the second set of characters. Um, I think is it Carly? She's pretty. She's pretty fucking hot. Carly or Kaylee or um, something. I is think it Carly? It's Carly. Okay. Anyways, she's pretty cool. Um, it's a lot of fun. I feel like the balance with the game has been 
a bit inconsistent, like we'll hit levels that we played previously in the beta and we're like, holy crap, this is hard. And then we get to levels that weren't in the beta and we're like, this is really easy. (laughs) So it seems like they only adjusted the beta levels, but it's, I don't know if that's what happened. It seems like really obvious because the rest of them, I mean, we are playing on the first level. What's the first level of difficulty called? Is it rookie? No. (laughs) I don't think it's that obvious, but (laughs) maybe it's recruit. Um, But yeah, some of the early levels were kicking our butt a little bit. um, But then there were others where I can't remember if it was an act two, but where one of the big like giant creatures comes out and we like took him down in like three seconds. And it was like, oh, that's it for the level. (laughs) Yeah, we were waiting to... to, Granted, I'm glad because they literally threw it right at you at the beginning of the level. Yeah. So I think that they do, they are being really conscious of like having levels that are really long where you're moving through a bunch of space um, mm. and like having to go overcome obstacles and stuff and then having really short ones where like the one we started and we just kept killing zombies because we're like, that's what you do. Like you keep, you clear out the area, but they kept coming. And so then we're like, let's just move, let's just push. And we do. And there's the door. It's like right there. So I think they expect you to get overcome and overwhelmed, you know what I mean? And then... Mm-hmm. So I like that there's that that dynamic. I think that's kind of fun. But yeah, I'm looking forward to playing more. We're about two thirds of the way through now, I think. I think so. Or a little, maybe a little more than half. Um, and then you haven't played the new Phasmophobia update, but I played it last night with Ron. And then I played it a couple of days ago with my students. And Phasmophobia just had a huge update for Halloween. They added four new ghosts. They added a new level, like a camp campground area where it's like mostly outdoors it's it's scary it's very ron played it last night we played it was the first one we played and we i think we figured out the ghost on that one and then when he was getting ready to sign off i was like he's like i can do one more i was like yeah let's do the camp and he's like no i think i don't think that's a (laughs) that's a two-person map (laughs) all right but uh yeah it's really and they they improved features they made it harder i think honestly like on professional it actually feels pretty hard now i think we're gonna play again with our friend taylor tonight and try yeah. nightmare mode maybe which is she wants to so, ah, so we're gonna so we're gonna get fucked fuck it that. let's do it <laughs> <laughs> um but that is also what i've been playing far cry 6 back for blood and phasmophobia amy what have you been playing uh well i've been playing um i cannot remember what that game is called that we're playing with paul and and tab sometimes oh dead, dead by, by daylight, daylight? Dead, yeah. that's it dead by daylight i can't <laughs> i mean it was up on the screen yesterday and i still like couldn't remember what it was called i called it something else uh i've been playing that it's a lot of fun we've sort of um established like a hide and seek variant that works a little bit better if you don't have a full group yeah um and that's that's a lot of fun it's it's shockingly fun like trying to murder your friends or like evade being murdered by <laughs> your friends um, I like it for the same reasons that I really love Among Us, which I can't get anybody to play with me anymore. But, <laughs> um, you know, Dead, Dead by Daylight is also really, really fun, um, especially if you have some of those fun packs with uh, recognizable characters from horror movies and stuff. So yeah. that's been a good time. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Joey, you you made a joke to me that was like, um I feel like you're always either playing The Witcher 3 or you're about to restart The Witcher 3. And (laughs) 
like two <laughs> days later, I I picked The Witcher Three back up. So I've been doing that. I um I had finished my third playthrough, but I hadn't gone on to do the DLC through that playthrough. So I'm I'm working on Hearts of Stone uh, right now, which is delightful. Of course, I'm having a great time. Yeah, I think I said something like you 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 exist in only two states, either you're playing <laughs> yeah. The Witcher or you're about to play The Witcher because I thought about that and I was like I I cuz I was thinking about how we might play it again for the when we do The Witcher 3 episode, um but they pushed back the PS5 version till next summer probably, unfortunately, but um but I was thinking about how we might replay it. And then I was like, so wait a minute, is Amy like not going to play it? And I was like, no, Amy's always about to play it. Like, <laughs> you're just out. You're always like, I think I'm going to play The Witcher 3 again soon. So, um, yeah, I love I love to hear it. And Dead by Daylight, yeah, like you said, I think it'll get old eventually, I'm sure. But like for now, because it still seems pretty new, I get such a thrill when I either find someone as the killer or when I'm found. I like I'll jump like if I don't know that the killer's near. <laughs> And I get hit. I'm like, <laughs> every time. <laughs> um, but I love that. And then I start panicking and I'm like, how do I run and push? To the I fucking, I keep making this mistake because I get so panicked where I push down the the pallet in front of myself. So the killer's yeah. behind me and I'm like, ah, oh, here we go, bitch. I'm going to, I'm going to get you. And then I boop right in front of him. I'm like, great, great. My own worst enemy. But, uh, but yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Well, uh, let's move on to our main course then. So, we want to talk about cozy games. Cozy games is something that I think is so interesting because it's a relatively new category of games, I think. I feel like I've heard it a lot this year, and maybe it has something to do with the pandemic and people looking for comfort games or something. I'm not sure, but I feel like it's a relatively new, like within the last couple of years thing. And so I don't know that I've heard a lot of discussion about it. I don't know if there's an actual definition for it, but I thought we could talk about that and then talk about some of our favorite cozy games. So let's start with that definition because I don't know if I have a good answer. If someone asked me, if I mentioned something like, oh, it's a cozy game, um, and they were like, what's that? I would have to take a pause to be like, oh, hold on. So I wanted yeah. to talk through that. What is, what is What do you think a cozy game is? Chill. But I say that and what I made a list of like what I consider to be cozy games and they're varying degrees of like chill because for me a cozy game can be like Harvest Moon where there's not a lot of like pressure to perform you don't necessarily have to be like especially skilled at the game. Um, if you look at something like Stardew Valley it's in part chill because of the music and the style and like the things that you do in the game, you're building relationships with people. Um, but there can also be elements of that game, like going into the depths of the mind that are a little bit stress inducing. Um, or if I think of a game, like uh, I think we both had firewatch on the list. It's chill, but like there were moments where I was kind of scared. <laughs> like yeah. what is happening with the narrative? Um, but I think for me, a, a defining quality would be that for the most part, it's relaxing and allows me to feel like stress free. Right. But that's still incredibly open. <laughs> yeah. So like what? So that could be anything. So you so you for you, there's your version of a cozy game. Do you think that mm -hmm. there's 
uh, there's more of like a universal definition to where <sighs> there would be like a cozy games category during like a PlayStation sale. Because if that is the case, then yeah. they wouldn't know you, right? They wouldn't know like, oh, well, Tab yeah. would feel relaxed by this. I think I would expect quite a few Sims in that category and then Indies. Okay. I can see that. Amy, what but do you... Again, when you hear cozy game, what do you think, Amy? I think I would agree that some element of, of like relaxation or calming um factors into the definition i was thinking about like i don't know like like collection Mm. sort of because i had thought about some sim games and maybe they're cozies but like i could see the exclusion from the list because um like they're focused on a different kind of thing um but I also, all of the games that I wrote down on my list and that I found, like, when I Googled cozy games, either don't have combat or, like, let you avoid combat if you want to. Like, either there's a mode that you don't have to do combat or um, combat is, like, localized to specific areas and you don't have to go into those areas in order to play the game. So, like, I don't know, low stress? Not low stress necessarily, though. Some of them are like timed and and stuff like that so i don't know that i have a good definition and i'm certainly not the one to ask i don't think but um something relaxing question mark i think i think for me like that's where i'm i'm sort of caught is like i think that there's a distinction between a comfort game and a cozy game and i like what you're saying about the lack of combat because like a comfort game i think that concept has existed for years like a comfort game is a game that you go back to because you're comfortable with it, right? Like The Witcher 3 is a comfort game for you, Amy. Yeah. It's not a cozy game because there's combat no. and it's stressful <laughs> and it's grim. But like it's it's a comfort game for you, but it's not a cozy game. So I think for me, I like that, that's where I'm like, there's got to be some defining features. What about tone? Because like the lack of combat, I think, is one of them. Um, that relaxing uh, thing that you were saying, Tab, about like there's not a lot of demands on you and expectations. Um, but what about tone? Is tone part of it? That seems like that would be part of it. But what's the tone of a cozy game? Is it is cozy? Does it just is it loosely defined? I think it would have to be for me loosely defined. Okay. Um, because I definitely think of like Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing, and I can imagine it being like. A winter day and I'm sitting next to the fire drinking my hot cocoa and it's just like nice and comforting and chill um and they're they're lighter right like just like in the the content and even down to like the colors in all of the the design and the menu systems and just like the worlds and there's something like brighter and cheerier about it um but at the same time, like I could play power wash sim. It's not really as like comforting, right. but I could sit there for hours just playing that, listening to a podcast and whatnot. Gotcha. Yeah, I think with tone, it, it is hard because I, I added Firewatch to my list as well because the art style is colorful but not too bright um mm-hmm. you're out in nature so you play the role of a, of a fire watch and you're out in nature and mostly exploring like you said there's no combat there's no 
there's not really many demands other than go here and check this out kind of thing. But the tone is sad. Well, yeah. I mean, it's sad. And there's like little moments of joy. And yeah. then things get darker as like the mystery develops. Because I also thought about now now that we're talking of making this definition, um, I'm having trouble thinking of the name. The name, the, the morgue game that we both played where you're oh. a mortician. Are you talking about Graveyard Keeper? No, it's like death. Is it something? Like it was something mortician. Yeah, something mortician. Yeah. Um, Let's see if I can look it up real quick. But that game, like, I was a little bit like, is that a cozy game? Because again, That's the demands really are very sad though and depressing. Right. So does tone? Mortician's Tale. Mortician's Tale. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does does tone and subject matter matter? Like, can you have a cozy game about? Can can a cozy game be sad? I guess that's my question. I think so. I think that there's a quality, whatever, if there's a narrative, which maybe there isn't always, but there's some quality whereby even if the subject matter or what happens in the story is really sad or heavy, there's like a closeness. Like you feel, I don't know, maybe there's a sense of like community or support or something like that. So like maybe it can be sad, but it's not hopeless. Like it leaves you mm. feeling hopeful or feeling like um maybe there's some catharsis. Like it's not just sad. There's always an asterisk, maybe. That makes sense. So then Mortician's Tale would fit into that because the part of the point of that game is to normalize death and have us feel more accepting of it and it has a very hopeful, optimistic, happy, happy-ish ending. So, I think that could, that could certainly work. Um, so, so a game that is so there's some some definitely some overlap with comfort games. Like your own comfort game doesn't have to have any parameters about coziness because again, it could be something like The Witcher Three. I've heard people say that like the Dark Souls games are comfort games for them because <laughs> they. What they play them so much? I know it seemed for me that seems like oh it would be so stressful, but to them they loved them so much and played them so much that that combat became comforting to but them because they it were has so more used to do to with it. the familiarity, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And so I think there's definitely a distinction, but there's got to be some overlap. Like, you, like Stardew Valley is a pretty good example, I think, because or Red Dead Redemption Two, because they can be a cozy game. You can make mm -hmm. them a cozy game. You don't have like. Or Minecraft, another one. Minecraft, you can play it in creative mode. You don't have to worry about enemy mobs or anything. You don't have to worry about dying. And so you can just build. And the music is pretty chill. So then is, is Comfy more about your approach? Your experience? I don't... See, that's what I don't know. I don't think so. I think that there is a genre forming. And that genre will have more defined expectations or like, you know, okay. classification. But I think right now that that's what's happening. I feel like cozy is springing from comfort, but we're realizing that cozy, it's more about, as the kids would say, a vibe, you know, the vibe of Red Dead 2 is not cozy. The vibe of Stardew Valley is kind of cozy, I would say, you know, um, but those also have parts that could be stressful. Fishing, is stressful in that game or can be. Yeah. 
um, combat is stressful in that game or can be. If Arcade you're in the, thing. Yeah, there's definitely some <laughs> difficult parts, but the game allows you to avoid that and to, you know, make the game what you, you, you know, there's there are seasons. I get stressed when the season's coming up to the end because I start doing the math and I'm like, well, these vegetables, you know, have eight days to, you know, before they before I can harvest them and there's only seven days and I wasted a bunch and I have to plan more carefully. So I think Stardew Valley can be it's not like exclusively a cozy game because there are you can make it what you want it to be. But a game like Firewatch, I guess, or um, Lake. So we talked about Lake before. See, I kind of disagree. Really? Okay. <laughs> I think Stardew Valley is definitely a, a cozy. I game. agree. For what it's worth, because I think you being stressed about the crops—that that's more of like a person-to-person thing. <laughs> I don't know that the game is. I I don't get stressed at the end of the season. I'm like, cool. I'm heading towards fall or whatever. Um, I don't think the game is necessarily designed to make you feel stressed. If that makes sense. If we were to talk about like the mining and the combat, like if you want certain things, you have to go into the mines. So I think that's where it starts to lose me on the coziness. If that makes sense. I think that's why it's an interesting one. Is because you don't have to do anything in that game. You, you're not going to die. Yeah. You're not going to lose, but there are, there is a win state. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you have to complete the community center by year three, right? By the end of year three to quote unquote, win the game. And so to do that, you have to have a lot of different kinds of harvest and fish and right. relationships and stuff. So I don't, it's not, it doesn't demand that of you, but I think because it's there, it's not okay. for me personally. It's not like an ex- like if I were to make the top five cozy games, it would probably be on there because I love it a lot and I think it can be cozy. But like if someone said name five games that are definitely cozy games, I'd be a little bit more hesitant. Does that make That's, sense? Okay. That's so interesting. Do you get the videos on TikTok that are recommendations for cozy games? I don't think I've ever actually no. That would be oh helpful. wow. Okay. <laughs> I that is why I know what you met I knew what you meant when you said cozy games that you were doing this episode on cozy games that's the only context that I've really heard that phrase and from what I have observed and we know like TikTok works algorithmically so it it may just be feeding me things that I would be tending to agree with anyways but it seems like among the like cozy gaming community on TikTok cozy gaming talk Stardew Valley (laughs) is like the gold standard of cozy games um even though i think like there is sort of a consensus that there's there are stressful elements of stardew that but i don't i don't know that that like i don't know excludes the game from from counting as a cozy game at least in the eyes of of hashtag cozy game talk (laughs) (laughs) what do they list like alongside that if that's the gold standard yeah um, I've seen Celeste listed, um, Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon, every game that is anything like Animal Crossing or Harvest Moon. Recently, uh, I watched a video that, that actually led me to download a mobile game called Cats and Soup, which is, hmm. there's a word for the kind of mobile game where like you set stuff up and they like idly make money for you. I forget what that's called, but it's like that. You you set up a station okay. and a cat like brews soup and then another cat will like 
cut up cabbage and a third cat will cut up carrots and they'll make fucking adorable soup (laughs) it's really cute you make money so slowly though it's really frustrating (laughs) um but it's really cute you could just sit and watch these cats like make soup um which like i don't know because that i'm not really doing anything so I hesitate almost to even call it a game, let alone a cozy game. Mm-hmm. But that that kind of thing, I guess, counts on hashtag okay. cozy game talk. But that definitely sounds like it fits within what Joey is saying about like comfort. Yeah. Because that, now I'm thinking that it, it has something to do with we had an episode previously about games that will help with anxiety or like how sometimes a game like Stardew Valley for me helped me a lot with my anxiety and maybe it's because and I can see where that would tie into a cozy game because yes some of it is demanding and there are goals but all of that is self-imposed right I'm saying I want to do well I want to do this and so the game allows me to like set these little short-term goals and long-term goals and meet them and that's very relieving to me so even though it's mm-hmm. stressful it's not like you know failing isn't the 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 repercussions for failing aren't that that high basically so that yeah that's that's really interesting um so we so we're in agreement that stardew valley would be a cozy game it seems like yeah Yeah. um animal crossing kind of the same thing i think yeah definitely seems like and part of it is the vibe you know it's very friendly cheery colorful the music is very nice and kind of chill um but i do think would you say Sorry. No, go ahead. Would you say that the stakes are even lower in Animal Crossing? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that, like, you know, being having this um, loan being imposed on you (laughs) and being under the crushing weight of debt. But even then, there's no interest. There's no dates. You know what I mean? Like, Tom Nook might occasionally accost you, but, like, you know, it's not, you can, you don't, you can just ignore it if you don't want to upgrade. Honestly, the most stressful thing about that game is when you leave it and then come back and the villagers are like, where were you? And yeah. I feel horrible. That's not cozy. Yeah. You come back and they're like, where <laughs> the were <guilt>. you? <laughs> Philippe died of cancer a month ago. Oh, damn. Oh, no, That's... they don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sense of community gone a little bit too far, I think. What if they did that, though? Like, what if you came back and you just saw like, a, a, a burial plot and you're like what and you go up and there's like a headstone that's like you know philip or i'm trying to think of a, a villager name i'm so i, I haven't played it for so long oh, but, God. Um, <laughs> celeste or something and you're like <gasps> what happened to celeste oh no it's like died of a broken heart because the villager never came back they like um, actually send it to your email address <laughs> <laughs> celeste missed you past tense oh, shit. <laughs> um but then, you know, people got very stressed about it. I played that game intensely and like there is a stress again, like you want the money, you want to buy these things that are only available at certain times. Um, but yeah, I think the, again, the vibe is very cozy. Um, one that popped to mind was Coffee Talk for me because that game seemed made to be a cozy game. And I think that's where it's really interesting right now is I think there were games that were made and people are like, these are cozy games, and that's shaping the definition of what a cozy game is. But I think indie developers, like you said, Tab, are hopping onto that and saying, ah, there's this new category of games. 
I have an idea for what would make a great cozy game. So now we're seeing games that are made to be cozy games. When they made Animal Crossing, they weren't like, let's make a cozy game. But when they made Coffee Talk, I really think they were. I think they were like, it's going to be a game where there's not very many penalties, if any at all. You just make coffee for people and listen to them talk and enjoy a story. And there's a lot of chill, lo-fi beats, as the kids say. Would you consider dating sims to be cozy games? I thought about that because Arcade Spirits, I thought, you know, but I don't yeah. I don't know, though, because <laughs> those also feel kind of stressful because you have you're you want to make these connections. And what if you don't? What if you what if you can't date the person that you want to date? Like, but right. they could be because like, but it is a more chill experience. Yeah. Or it can be. Dream Daddy is very colorful. Yeah chill vibe funny yeah i think dating sims could be depending on the tone and everything yeah i've only played dream daddy but Mm -hmm. i i think i would put it in the cozy category i feel pretty cozy when i'm you know hanging at the vet's office with what's his name damien i think (laughs) (laughs) what are some of the other games that you see on these on these tiktoks um putting me on the spot <laughs> i haven't seen one in a in a while but uh i think i've seen i, I think i've seen the untitled goose game on the lists and and i th- i think there's definitely an argument for that um i see like they're almost all indie games i think but i see games that are like um similar they look like the art style to me looks sort of like like the really anime looking zelda game i don't know which one that is but they kind of look like that and they're all like you know you're collecting something for a specific purpose like maybe you own a restaurant or maybe you have to like feed a big tree monster or something like that there it's it's always something like that i'm titles are not coming to mind at the moment but um they all kind of have that same that same vibe cats and soup is the only title i can think of (laughs) so this is interesting all i did was google like cozy video games and legend of zelda breath of the wild is on there Hmm. and see that's that's where it's like it's hard because i don't i think that game could be a cozy game for some people because Mm -hmm. it has this big open world and it's very colorful and chill if you want it to be but there's lots of combat there's lots of very difficult bosses. There were moments I raged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, facing those freaking uh, what are they called? Oh yeah, no, not the guardians. The um, the like uh, minotaur, not minotaur. Um, oh, what's yeah. the horse horse people? The horse people, centaurs, centaurs, centaurs. Yeah, <laughs> the centaur type creatures. Those were those were hard. But there's also games on here like Spirit Fairer, Cozy Grove, A Short Hike, Firewatch, Coffee Talk, Abzu, um, Abzu was on my list, Portia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Abzu is a great example because when I played that, I kept thinking, wow, man, for someone who's really stressed out, this would be a great game because it's very slow. Like the movement is very slow. You're just you're diving through water these like mystical caves and, and you're underwater most of the time and you're seeing these like beautiful sea creatures and like you said amy it's cell shaded so it has that like legend of zelda breath of the wild type cartoony look and i do think that yeah firewatch had that as well lake had a kind of a version of that 
um i think it's slightly different that's more like the the walking dead where it's like a i think they, there's a word for it now graphic comic gra- comic graphic look or some the graphic something like that but it's like more like a comic book come to life or something and not like a anime or manga come to life um but yeah i think there's a lot of these like smaller indie games a short hike like you said tab that comes up a lot i started playing that but i never finished it which i feel dumb because people are like mm-hmm. it takes like you can beat it in like 45 minutes or something so i wonder if that's part of it too uh, the length of a game because it's not this like the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a huge game. They could take you dozens of hours to beat depending on how you play it. So maybe that feels overwhelming to people. But Stardew Valley is a pretty big game. Animal Crossing is a pretty big game. So maybe length But doesn't... I think the, the internal pressure is different. Okay. And the expectations are lower. So if it's like a an Assassin's Creed where it's like, to play the game, you have to do all of this stuff. Nah, not so cozy. I feel like it takes more to accomplish things in that game. Right. Um, whereas if I just want to plant crops, that's on me to self-direct that, right? I also, someone, I don't remember which one of you mentioned, but like the idea of a job, a game where you're, where you have a job, like Coffee Talk, you're a barista or the cat. Was the cat cat and coffee? What was it or cat? It's cats and soup. Cats and soup. I gotta look this up. The it's sequel is gonna cute. be cats and coffee. <laughs> you do make juice. I think there's other stuff oh. you make too, but like you make money so slowly. All I've got is soup and juice so far. <laughs> Why does that sound kind of weird? <laughs> cats making soup and juice. I don't know. Stop. Well, um, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> but. But that, I think, because that made me think of um, Haunted Chocolatier, which I thought we could talk about because that was announced last week, but you guys weren't on last week, obviously. So we've all watched that trailer. How do we feel about that? That's definitely a cozy game, right? Totally, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has the vibe. It's very cute. Um, The music seemed very nice from what they played, if that's indeed the in-game music. Uh, And you have a job. That you're just, you know, in Stardew Valley, it's interesting because, like, I guess you have a job, like, but you don't need to. You could literally just survive. You don't have to eat anything. You could just keep going to sleep. Um, but you're given a position that you can make into a job and you can plant crops to make money and everything. Um, and But in Haunted Chocolatier, it seems more like you definitely have a job and you're running this you know, chocolate shop and stuff. So yeah, so but that, that chocolate. Box. yeah. I mean, to, to Tab's point, I think I would be surprised if there's some sort of like, you know, if one of the villagers like beats down your door or you get a letter from like the better business bureau or something, <laughs> if you don't open on Monday during your scheduled hours or whatever. So I think there's right. probably, I, I'm guessing, I suppose, but I, I would imagine like there's still the opportunity to just like, fuck off and do whatever you want instead of like what the game encourages you to do i guess mm-hmm. i think it would be the better Buddhist bureau <laughs> haunted oh, oh, no. <laughs> ghosts and uh they say boo anyways yeah like and i don't get the sense from that trailer but what did you what do you guys think about it like you guys are probably excited i'm assuming 
I'm very excited. Tirza yeah. is so disappointed that we don't have like a to define like when it's going to release. And yeah. I was like, you need to wait. This is this is what it's like to be excited about a game. <laughs> it might be a while. I'm with Tirza. Yeah. I think why show us now if you, we don't even know how long you're going to make us wait. It seems cruel, really. That that is definitely my knee jerk reaction as well. And then I think about how long it took him to make Stardew Valley. And when you look at the production stuff, he had he completely revised so many parts of that game. Like the characters looked very different early on. He added so many systems. And so I wonder and sort of worry that that's what's going to happen here is that he's going to be revising and revising. But he has been working on it for a while. We do know that he's been hinting at this other project for a couple of years. But I think that's where I was like, because it's an other project, because originally he was supposed to be working on that like magical one, right? Where you're like in a magic school or something. His Twitter and everything that he's said on Twitter has made it clear that that's a rumor. He's never been. Yeah. He's never been involved in that project. What? Yeah. I thought he was the one that confirmed it. I have to look that up. That's wild. Yeah. Huh. Maybe not um, never, maybe never is an exaggeration, but I went back and I found a tweet from like three years ago for, I think it was from like 2017 where someone was asking about it and he said, I don't know, ask Chucklefish or whatever the (laughs) company is called. I think that's why it got associated with him though. Yeah, because Chucklefish took over like the publishing of Stardew and then they were like, here's this, what what was even the game, Magic School or whatever? Yeah. And people were like, oh, that's the project. It's like Stardew Valley, yeah. And see, that's where the lines between development and publishing get blurred, Mm -hmm. is people often associate the publisher with the developer, so they're like, hey, publisher, where's this game? And it's like, oh, that's interesting, okay. So he's maybe been working on this since Stardew Valley, but... Yeah, which means basically it's ready, and he'll go ahead and release it. Yeah, probably. Sunday, I hope. That's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Perfectly normal release day of the week. <laughs> for or just game. in time for winter break, you know. Oh, yeah. Too. Sunday's Halloween. Is, it's not just randomly oh. this Sunday, <laughs> Joey. I was like, where, where did that come from? <laughs> it's the Sunday, all right? I thought Saturday was Halloween, but. Um... No, no. Friday's the oh. 29th. Okay. Saturday's the 30th. Halloween is the 31st. So that'd be Sunday. Gotcha. Awesome. I know none of us are are great with the math and the counting or the dates <laughs> or anything, but <laughs> yeah, definitely Sunday. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that, that, that would make sense, but, but yeah, I, I want to go back and I meant to watch the trailer before this episode, but I, I forgot that we were going to, that I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to get your thoughts on it and just talk about how excited I, even just like the, the the dating like how many more new people there are to date because that's one thing about stardew valley is i love that you can date virtually everyone um with there's a few exceptions obviously but there's a lot of dating options in in stardew valley and that's so funny i don't care about that at all (laughs) (laughs) really really it took me until my like second or third playthrough before i married anybody and um blasphemy i just don't i just don't care really that's like one of the first things i'm yeah. like i can't be like, like actually what are my fuck them so <laughs> you know <laughs> but you can I, try well i <laughs> guess but it just seems wow. like you know i might as well just <laughs> play a different game no 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 it's 
I think there's just so much to pay attention to and the social aspect I find really tedious. <laughs> so it's not ever been my favorite, but I do find it like endlessly entertaining how obsessed Joey gets with all of his love interests in his different video games. And I know anytime I play a game that he is familiar with where there's a dating element, that's the first thing he's going to ask me. <laughs> I was, well, I was just going to ask so who, who was that first person that you married in Stardew Valley when you had the, when you finally went through with it? Oh, it was Maru. Oh, that's a good choice. So she's going to be the next one that I, I go with. Yeah, she's cool. I think Emily is my ride or die, but Maru was the first. So Maru was definitely like top of my list. And then I got to know her dad more. And I was that's what sort of scared me away is I was like, that seems like a messy situation. Kind of the yeah. same thing with um, with. Oh, God, what is her name? The video game Abigail, where it's like aesthetically i was like she's cute she likes video games cool and then the more i got to know her i was like yeah, it seems like i'm stepping into a little bit of a some drama um but yeah mario is definitely kind of next on my list i think so the, the witcher 3 you're right the witcher 3 you i was like list. yeah the, I, yeah well because like you know we don't we don't gotta get into it but i've already got a list for <laughs> haunted hot chocolates here. <laughs> right I don't, right I, I don't well there is the one girl in the in the trailer, <laughs> very was cute. it Lily? The one with the black hair, pale. Yeah. She. Uh, what does Lily look like? I I'm trying to get through the the trailer now. I think she had longer hair. Okay, maybe, maybe probably her too. I mean, multiple <laughs> <Stalin>. things, maybe. <laughs> if I can turn her into a dove and make her fly away. Jeez. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, that's what you do to your kids. In that's Valley. what you do, to that's children. Right. You just, you just, you just wipe their memory, which I did do in the last playthrough, and I felt really bad. Wow. Um, we didn't have kids though, so I didn't have to make them turn into doves. But yeah, uh, that's fine. That definitely removes any like ethical quandary there. No kids, cool. Go ahead and like men in black flash the people. Yeah. Um. But I think it was because I married Leah and I had already married Leah before. And I, I was like, it was our shared playthrough that we were doing. And then I was like, oh, well, right. I was like, well, I want to choose someone else. And I don't think I ever did. I think I just <laughs> flashed Leah. And then I felt so fucking bad about it. And I was like, we built this home together. We decorated together. Remember, this was your art room over here. Aww. And I was like, do I romance her again? Is that what? <laughs> But um, but okay. So we've gotten we've gotten far off the cozy game talk. But what are some of your favorite cozy games? I feel like we've we've gone through a lot of them. Stardew Valley is a shared one. We all love that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Animal Crossing is yep. another one, right? Are we going back to that at some point? I feel like there's the big update that's coming up. You can farm. You can. I think for me, I will go back over the winter break and check out the new content. I think I might too, but I'm I'm nervous, like you said. But hey, it'll be winter, so you won't be able to see all the mm -hmm. weeds as all much. The weeds? You know, yeah. so that's nice. <laughs> um, you were shaking your head, no, Amy. You're not. You don't have any interest in the. Mm, no, I'm. I'm. I'm done. I think so many people, including you know Russell, my my husband, he asked me, you know, when are you going back to Animal Crossing? Like it's a given. <laughs> and I don't know for that one. I just, you know, I got what I needed to get out of it. It was really great during the spring and summer of last year. 
And now I'm just, I don't, I don't want to play it anymore. I feel like I boot it up and it just makes me want to play Stardew Valley or uh, Skyrim. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. There is something interesting. Like, I guess now I think, I don't know if it's with the new update or whatever, but you can kind of undo a lot of your stuff. Like you don't have to start a new island. You can basically just sort of like sell everything. I don't know if you can revert your home to a tent or anything like that, but um, but I, I, I feel like there's no way I would restart an island. I wouldn't be like, let me let me get into a new... But with Stardew Valley, yeah, like why not start a new farm? You know, there's something... I don't know. There's something there to that for me. Yeah. I don't love that Animal Crossing is in real time. I think that that's the biggest hesitation because... Because I just, I don't know how to describe it. There's something that like makes me really viscerally angry about having to wait until like, you know, I'll log in at like 7.30 p.m. And I can't go shopping for clothes. Not that I need any more because I can only wear them, so many of them in the game before I put it down and forget about it for another seven months. But um, that's to me, that's just like a really big barrier because you can only do so much when you devote just a couple of hours a day to it um if you're not going to be playing it consistently every single day like it feels almost like it punishes you for not (laughs) playing consistently and I think I feel really resentful of that and that that but see that's where I'm so curious about the definition of cozy games and where we're going to end up falling because that seems to go against the idea that a cozy game doesn't put put up a lot of barriers and kind of lets you like anything that you could think that you want to do the game will probably allow you to do it animal crossing is like here's a bunch of barriers like you if you're a night owl like i am you got to fucking wake up earlier you got to stay up really late to be up for when the stores are going to be open um if you want to catch certain bugs you have to you know come back in the afternoon you have to go to a different climate and i know they are addressing some of that like in the new update there are going to be mystery islands where you can go and they'll have different those islands will exist in different temperatures and or different climates. So if it's not winter, you can find a winter island and catch winter bugs and stuff. So I think they're like moving more toward that state of like giving you access to everything at once. But as it stands, I think that's why like a Stardew Valley or or, uh, or an Animal Crossing is less clear as a cozy game for me. I think it probably is the gold standard just because they're so they are so good, but with an indie game, they can limit the the scope so much more that it's like it's more of a what I guess I would call like a pure cozy game because they don't have to worry about people playing the game for hours on end and days and months and stuff like that. It can be a short two hour experience that is like pure coziness into your veins and they don't again, they don't have to worry about like bringing you back, you know. What else? Um, Lake Tab, you played Lake. That was a co- other than the bugs. It would be cozy if it weren't for the bugs. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I I really like games like um, Planet Zoo, the original Zoo Tycoon. Um, I would consider the original Roller Coaster Tycoon to be cozy. I mean, obviously there are things that can be stressful, but it doesn't have to be. 
uh, especially because they give you like sandbox mode. Um, but I would throw a lot of Sims in that category. That makes me think of so Jurassic World Evolution Two is coming out in just a couple of weeks, and yeah. I'm like, I don't. I bought that game thinking it would be a cozy game because, like you said, it had a sandbox mode. So I'm like, I'm just gonna make a, a zoo of, of dinosaurs, and I'm gonna have them have big pens with lots of food and be comfortable. I don't care about the visitors. And then I started playing the story to unlock things in sandbox mode. Mm-hmm. And I didn't play, I didn't touch the sandbox mode until almost the very end of my playtime with it because I was like, I got caught up in that, that sense of reward that you get from accomplishing things. Right. And I thought the game was pretty well balanced in that regard where it's like, I would start something and it, cause I kept telling myself when it gets too hard, I'm going to quit. And so I don't know what I would call that. Part. I think a sandbox mode like Minecraft is cozy or you can make mm-hmm. it and you can, it can be a cozy game for you if you want it to be. Um, but again, maybe it's not like a pure example of a cozy game, but it's that job thing. Like with mm-hmm. Lake, um, I said it when I talked about Lake, you are a mail carrier and there's no, like the, there's no time. So the day doesn't go by. You don't have to worry about being late to deliver things. There's no wrong way to deliver a package. And there's something about that, like repetition and like the safety of like, you're doing a job, you're accomplishing something, but you're not necessarily penalized that like, I think it's tying into the, what you're talking about with these Sims, like power wash Sim, Mm -hmm. like you're not, you know, there's a movement toward completion. So you're, you can spray this thing, but there's no punishment, right? There's no like time limit. Like if you don't clean this chair in 30 seconds, there is a timed mode, right? But it's completely separate. (laughs) Yeah. So I wonder if that, I wonder if these bigger games have, but see, that's interesting because then is it a cozy game or does it have cozy game options? You know, I wonder if that's going to become a thing. Hmm. Because again, Breath of the Wild, not, I would not call it a cozy game, but it can be if you make it, you know, if you just go around and collect stuff and cook. Well, I bet for some people, the Civ games are probably cozy. That seems, that seems wild. Like really? I, because like you're conquering. I said for some people. (laughs) That's true. That's true. There's a lot of war (laughs) in that cozy game. But if they like the management and getting down to like all the little details. But I guess that's where I wonder if there's a difference again between comfort games and cozy games. Like maybe that would be a comfort game for them, but it's not. And I, and like I said, I don't know that there, maybe there is like a strict I just don't know if there's like a firm line. But I think that's where we're getting. I think we're starting to see that line solidify. Because of indie devs, right? Yeah, I for whatever it's worth, I don't think that you would see uh, any of the Civ games on hashtag Cozy Game Talk. Um, they it just uh, the vibe, the vibe is off, <laughs> somewhat. I think imperialism, cozy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, so many of these games do sort of like. Even a game like Stardew Valley, which seems really critical of capitalism in a lot of ways, ultimately, uh-huh. I don't think does a great job of undermining capitalism since you no. can't do jack shit in that game without earning <laughs> bank, you know? Yeah. It's just like a different yeah. kind of capitalism, like local capitalism or like the, I don't yeah. know, maybe that, I don't want to think about that anymore because I like Stardew Valley. <laughs> so. <laughs> I want to ruin yeah. it. 
And now that I think about it, I almost wonder if cozy games, and, and specifically the quote-unquote pure cozy games, if that's what we're going to call them, that are coming from indie developers, are a reaction in some way to like more mainstream hardcore games. Like I wonder if indie devs are reacting to how dense and complicated and inaccessible and impenetrable some games can be. And they're like, you know what? I bet people, especially with the Wii, once the Wii came out and arguably gaming had reached a much broader, bigger audience of people who don't play games very often. I wonder if it's catering to that crowd of people that are like, yeah, I would love to play more video games, but I just don't have the time. And like, I have to sit down and learn all these systems and, you know, there's all these expectations, but what if you remove those barriers and have these shorter, more pure, cozy, friendly experiences? Wouldn't that be better for like the broader audience of gaming? Um, I kind of wonder if that's where these, because again, I think there's a difference. Like I, I think when Concerned Ape was making Stardew Valley, he wasn't like, I'm going to create a cozy game. But people sort of made it into that and it became and people maybe like other indie devs saw the reaction to that of like, you know, people reacting to the idea that it's just chill and you can kind of do what you want. And now we're seeing and I'm not saying that I'm not trying to argue that Stardew Valley was like the the genesis of all cozy games. But I sort of wonder if indie devs in particular, again, were realizing that in order to make gaming more accessible, we have to remove like we were talking about amy about grading we were talking about teaching before this um and we were talking about how like in teaching there's lots of stuff that's um, penalizing or punitive but the more that you remove those barriers and those punishments the more students feel free to be creative and um less like they're going to be punished for trying something new or experimenting and i kind of wonder if that's the same with games i'm sorry i'm rambling but any any thoughts about that no, I think there's something there. And I think I don't have a, a fully formed thought, I think, in response to that notion. That's that's really interesting. Um, I do wonder if we and I don't mean the three of us, but, you know, we as gamers collectively are drawing hard lines between cozy games and other kinds of games. I wonder how that sort of notion of, of responding against the kind of like really punishing games like like a Bloodborne or something. Um, I wonder how that will factor into into these kind of lines because I still think that a handful of the of the games that we've sort of mentioned as cozy games still show elements of of the well not Bloodborne I guess but of the kinds of games that like punish you for doing the wrong thing or or feel punitive even if if it's not you know intended that way. Yeah, Tab, you you had a, you were making a face when I was talking about that. Did it? <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> I thought you. you I think like... there's always going to be a market for both, though. There are the yeah. people who love the punishing, and then there are those of us that are like, I just want to go into a world and exist. I don't need the pressure because I have enough pressure and anxiety and stress or whatnot in my life. Like, I just want to go into this cheery, welcoming environment. Um, and I think it's great that, I mean, the industry as a whole isn't valuing those experiences, right? Like we're mostly seeing that from the indie scene, but right. like, thank goodness we have all these indies, these indie devs who do value that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I welcome more 
more projects, more games that are going to challenge our sense of like, well, what is cozy? What is comfort? And I think could we have that conversation 20 years ago? Right. I exactly. I think it expands what we understand games could be mm-hmm. kind of like we, we all had that revelation of like what video games could be based on like a specific yeah. experience. And I wonder if, because like if you think about it, Oblivion, um, and then Skyrim and or The Witcher 3 and Chrono Trigger, these are all traditional games, like RPGs mm-hmm. or big, expansive RPGs, but they're not for everyone. Someone could play Skyrim probably and be like, this is too hard, this is too overwhelming, like it feels yeah. just, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented or skilled enough, but a game for them playing like Hot Pot, is it Hot Pot for one? Is that the game that we looked at for E3? It's like you just make Hot Pot in your apartment and that's it like for that them they might have that epiphany with that game and you know or these people on tiktok that's probably their thing is cozy games they probably seek out that kind of experience where we're all three chasing the high of those those big rpgs that we love you know sometimes though (laughs) yeah no we we have obviously a bunch of different interests but think of flight sim i don't know that i would call that a cozy game but sometimes that's a nice chill game yeah. I could put on my podcast. I can chat with Tirza and I'm just flying around. Turn up all the assists, you know, and just yep. not have to worry about fucking <laughs> alarms going crash. off. Right. <laughs> but I think it does really expand, again, what a game can be. Because, like you said, 20 years ago, I think, and 40 years ago especially, games had to be challenging. They had to be, mm-hmm. they had to have clear objectives, clear levels, and. Um, if, if they weren't defined levels of like, here's level one, here's level two, you, your character had levels. So you were getting higher in level and getting cha- more challenging enemies and things like that. And now you don't have to have that. You know what I mean? Like, what's the challenge of Coffee Talk? You're basically just walking through a story. Because now we're more readily acknowledging that games can simply offer an experience. Yeah. And it, we can remove skill from the equation. And I, I love that because we've had this conversation before. We feel like we could do a whole episode on it. But I have always fought back on the, about the idea that games have to be fun. That yeah. particular phrase, well, video games are supposed to be fun. I fucking hate it. It's a pet peeve of mine. And we've heard people, scholars say it. We were at 4Cs, yeah. this big national conference yeah. for English. And this scholar, this other video game scholar in this panel was like, asking a question of the per- the panelists and saying, oh, well, but video games are supposed to be fun, right? So blah, blah, blah. And I cringed at it when he said it. And I was like, ah, oh, but the, the scholar in the panel is going to push back. No, he agreed. He's nope. like, yeah, video games are supposed to be fun. So blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. And I've heard video game journalists say it. And it's like, stop, because they don't have to be fun. A Mortician's Tale is not a fun game. I did nope. not have fun with that. But it was a wonderful experience. I loved it. Um, it offered a narrative that no other game that I have played has like followed through to that degree. Right. So if we start accepting that video games are more than just <laughs> it's more than just beating levels, right? Like it's yeah. narrative too. And if we start looking at video games as art, then we can have conversations about how video games aren't only there to have fun. Yeah. And I th- that's what I think cozy games do. You know what I mean? Like a cozy game should be cozy. Does it have to be fun? Not necessarily, you know, that's not the point of it. The point of it's not to have fun. It's to maybe relax or chill or just live in a world for a little bit without feeling pressured to do things. 
So I'm like talking myself into being a cozy gamer. I don't know if I would be. Now I'm going to be on cozy talk, cozy, cozy game talk. Um, it's good. I'll send you the next video that, that comes across yeah. my feed. That's all you need is one. And the algorithm will be like, aha, yep. yeah, liked that one. So yeah. <laughs> um, anything else? Anything? I feel like we're, we're at a really good spot to well, stop I- because we have a working definition, but. You were going to say, Amy? Right. I, I just have a recommendation for a spooky, cozy game. Ooh. Uh, that dead by Daylight. N- yes. Dead by Daylight <laughs> is very cozy. You very don't cozy. get murdered <laughs> at all. There's no blood or evil <laughs> spider monsters from hell to come and abduct your soul. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, Last year, my my friend Katie recommended um, Graveyard Keeper to me, which is similar to Stardew Valley. It's perfect for spooky season and very fun. I looked at the Steam listing and the description says that it is the most inaccurate medieval cemetery sim <laughs> on the market, which I, is probably true, I guess. <laughs> Not like those more hardcore medieval (laughs) cemetery sims right? where you have to worry about, (laughs) is this French soil? Can we bury someone here? (laughs) Um, So you've played it. So what do you do? You said it's like Stardew Valley. So you're, do you have like, instead of a farm, you have a graveyard? Yeah. So you, it's, you get sort of dropped into this alternate universe. You're trying to get home to your, I assume modern life i've never managed that so i don't know what (laughs) home looks like but you're dropped into this medieval kingdom and you are in charge of the upkeep of this like rectory and little chapel and the graveyard that's attached and like in order to have access to the church you have to show the cleric or whoever the bishop i guess um that you've managed to improve the like physical aesthetic of the graveyard to a certain amount and you do that by um harvesting materials from the environment and building stuff like gravestones and like little fences and flower beds and stuff um and you also are delivered this donkey this socialist donkey (laughs) delivers um like corpses to you and you bury them but you also autopsy them and you remove their flesh and Uh, one of your goals your first goals is to get like a royal stamp so that you can legally sell the flesh to the tavern keeper in the village wow uh (laughs) dark turn (laughs) yeah yeah you you can very um, cozy it it is though i think there i think it's an expansion but you can buy like the complete edition with the with two two dlc packs i think um and you can reanimate some of the corpses so that they'll stand around and like do some of your um repetitive work for you you there's a like witch that you can go visit in the swamp and uh you can harvest honey and you can plant crops and there's a talking skull that you have to bring booze so he'll explain stuff to you and there's like an astronomer and you have to get his books and you go into the dungeon underneath your little house and i haven't been able to manage that so i don't know what happens if you succeed there but there's i mean there's so many things to do there's a village and then you unlock a town and then there's more i think there's some seafaring elements that i haven't Mm. managed to get to um 
which is not to say that it's hard. It's just that there's a lot of different options and different things that you can focus on. So I've definitely sunk a lot of hours into it and I'm, I still have lots and lots and lots to explore and to discover. Um, but like for how dark and like, you know, I mean, you're a cannibal, you're encouraging cannibalism, you're pulling like <laughs> blood and bones out of these dead bodies. The art is adorable. The world is so cute and fun to interact with. And the tone is very like, like gallows humor. It's not like, asking you to like really deeply consider the ramifications of like desecrating bodies or anything like that. Um, it's really fun and really good for, for spooky season. It sounds oddly delightful. It, it, it oddly does. delightful is a really good way to put it. Yeah. So do you, are you controlling a character like in Stardew Valley or is it sort of point and click? Okay. So yeah, you're, you're controlling. Stuff. Yeah. You're controlling the graveyard keeper. He, I guess he's a cleric because you have to preach sometimes wow um so i have an important question about reanimating corpses right uh can you date them (laughs) (laughs) um no but i don't think that that means there's no i don't know that there's a like an opportunity to choose a spouse or something and i don't think the options are are very wide and i i could be wrong but like you definitely have like social meters with the different characters in the town. And I just get the sense that the tavern keeper's wife is sort of into you, you know? Oh, there we go. Right. But I, the social Something. stuff is just not my <laughs> forte. So I, I don't have firsthand experience of what happens if you improve your relationship with her. Well, not the, that's going to be the first thing I look at. But, uh, <laughs> find out. <laughs> right. You said there was an astronomer too or something? Yeah, there's an astronomer and he's got a book that you have to find and repair. And then he teaches you about alchemy. That doesn't sound right. But he, you know, he's got this big astronomy tower and you go see him and like he's able to translate some old texts and help you unlock like new skills and stuff. Cool. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley. I might have to check that out. Um, Yeah. Any other recommendations? Anything else anyone wants to talk about cozy games? So we have a loose definition, like we said, you know, not a lot of demands on the player. So not a lot of like strict objectives or timers or anything like that. Um, Cozy vibe. So like chill music, colorful art, not colorful, but like cartoony, friendly, open kind of art, um, very accessible gameplay. I think, that, I think that works. Maybe we'll check in in like a year and see how the cozy game scene has, has evolved. Because I really do think it's probably going to become more of a thing. I think it's a thing now, but I think it's still relatively new. So I think the parameters will be more firmly set in probably like a couple of years. So um, yeah, thank you both for, for being here. Thank you, Amy, for being a first time, but not only time guest. You'll definitely be on in the future again. Yeah, thanks um, so much people- for having me. Of course, yeah. Um, we've mentioned you enough. I feel like yeah, we owed you. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> the oh, we passed our quota. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where can people find you? Anything you want to plug or shout out? Oh, sure. Um, you can, I'm on Twitter at Amy Reed Stuff. Uh, and I run, I, uh, you know, in theory, I, I run a personal blog. Also, um, amyreadstuff.com, but there's hyphens in between the words because I'm foolish <laughs> no you just like hyphens a little space between yeah, the words, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know, your 
words to be too cozy. Uh-huh. Get back right, there. right. They have to be. Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Tab, we can find you on Twitter at Random Mox. Random right? Mox, yep. Find me on Twitter at Lost for Man. Um, we will be on next week. I don't know what we're talking about next week. I don't think we have a topic, but we'll be back next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.